Welcome to the Brilliant Business Moms Podcast, episode 130, with Sarah Kornack and Beth Ann Schwamberger. Today on the show, we're talking with Katie Campbell of the Etsy shop, Little Red Flag. Katie is a phenomenal artist and graphic designer. In her Etsy shop, she sells both digital artwork as well as printed artwork. So she walks us through the ins and outs of having both types for sale in her Etsy shop. Let's get started. You're listening to the Brilliant Business Moms podcast, practical business advice for startup moms. Today on the podcast, we are pleased to welcome Katie Campbell. Katie is the owner of the Etsy shop, Little Red Flag, where she sells decorative prints, both digitally and physically. She lives in South Carolina with her husband and three little boys. Welcome to the show, Katie. Thanks for having me. Katie, could you begin by telling us a little bit more about yourself, your family, and your Etsy shop, Little Red Flag? Well, I started the shop back in 2000 and well 2010 technically I started thinking about it in 2009 when the company I worked for went under pretty much because of the economy back in 2008 what happened there and so a week before Christmas found out I didn't have a job and so I'm like looking for one but then I'm like what if I don't find a job what what am I going to do and so I started thinking about starting a shop and that's how Little Red Flag was at least the idea of it started. And I started just selling stationery, which is why it was called Little Red Flag in the beginning. Note cards, thank you notes, things like that. Hence the reason it was called Little Red Flag, the little red flag on your mailbox. I was trying to be cute and all that. But stationery just wasn't, I don't know, I just, it didn't, wasn't my fit. It didn't work well for me. And I ended up starting to sell prints. Because shortly after I started a job that I did eventually find in the new year, I found out I was pregnant with my first son. And so I, of course, wanted to decorate his room. And I started designing some vintage transportation prints because I couldn't really find anything, at least in my price range, that I wanted for his room, like what fit my vision. And so somebody was like, oh, you should sell those. And I was like, well, I do have an Etsy shop. And so I kind of started putting them out there and that's kind of how it all started. So I think a lot of what you find in my shop is probably inspired by my boys. So there's probably more boy things on there than there are little girl things, at least in my nursery line. But that's at least how I started the shop. So Katie, I love learning about your process for creating your prints and designs on your shop's about page, which we'll definitely link to in the show notes. (laughs) I think your techniques really set you apart in the digital world. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you create your beautiful designs and then make them digital? Well, I usually just start with some idea. Like I'll think, well, what, you know, what are current trends in nurseries and or even home decor, and I'll, I will either, if I'm doing a hand lettering thing, it will be, I will kind of start just toying with different ideas, and I'll eventually sketch either the hand lettering item out, or I will sketch out, you know, a picture of some sort, and then I take that sketch, and usually I'll use a Sharpie when I have to if I'm out of my ink pens, but if I have an ink pen, those are better. They don't bleed, so it helps in that process. And I will trace around 
my my sketch and do like a heavy black line or I'll fill it in eventually. But once I have the sketch, once I've kind of traced around my sketch, I will scan it in to my computer and then import it into Illustrator. And in Illustrator, I don't even remember how I learned how to do this. I probably Googled it or maybe from some of my past experience, I, I just I can't remember exactly how I came across the process, but I've been using it now for, I don't know, four or five years. And then I scan it in, import it to Illustrator, and then there's a function in Illustrator called Live Trace. And in Live Trace, it lets you outline, like it'll take like a picture and it'll take and create an outline or a vector image from a, a picture initially. And it makes it really easy to make vector images from things that I've made. And I'm so glad that that function exists because before I knew how to do that, I had been, I don't know, I would spend hours trying to create things because I'm self-taught. I'm a self-taught designer. So I previously sat around on the computer just trying to create things in like with a little pencil thing and trying to freeform, you know, my image. And that was just not even remotely practical. So um, when I found this way of doing it, it really sped up the process and I was able to make things that were, in my opinion, much better quality in image. And it takes a little bit of time once you've imported it and done the live trace because you have to clean up the edges and stuff just because when you're scanning it, I, I don't have like a high-end scanner, maybe one day, but right now it, it kind of, it comes in just a little bit fuzzy, some of the edges. And so I'll have to clean those edges up a little bit, but it's, it makes it really easy to take things that I envision and put them into a digital format so I can change backgrounds, add, you know, vintage distressed overlays and kind of create almost custom pieces for people that have like, they have a very specific color that they want and I can be like pop my vector image that I've made in and then just completely customize it for their nursery or their other decor in their home. Yeah, Katie, I was completely surprised when I read your about page that your digital prints start out as a physical drawing that you do initially, which gives it, I think, a lot of truly artistic appeal. And I was curious, how many people do you think, I, I mean, I know you can't possibly have an exact idea, but... But on Etsy, I assume most people are creating their items completely digitally. And I would imagine that you are in the minority of people that are actually, you have artistic skill off of the computer. And you're starting with that first to then make your digital product. Yeah, I don't, I actually don't have any idea. I, I know that some people, and, you know, probably because I am self-taught, there are probably things that I would have learned in a class that might have, because there are so many things you can do with Photoshop and Illustrator that I, I, I mean, I know a lot now since I've been doing it for like eight years now. So, I mean, I've been doing eight years of self-learning and because every time I learn something new, I'm just like, wow, that would have made my life easier. <laughs> I know about that before, but I, I know that some people probably do still, like I know a lot of people, especially the hand lettering world, I know that a lot of people actually do do those things first in like a drawn written form. And I was actually able 
to learn some more things from taking some hand lettering classes that helped with some of the digital transfer. I do remember that. I don't remember what those were. I just remember some of those classes had some very helpful hints for digitizing things. So, but as far as like the images and stuff, you know, I, I don't know. Etsy is such a, there's so many different people that are out there and so many different backgrounds. I, I really have no idea, but I, I'm just glad that I found, you know, something that worked and that I get to do it. So I enjoy it a lot. Katie, I have to say, I think that your method, it's almost like a way to generate passive income as a talented artist because I could see in reverse where, yeah, on the one hand, there's people who just maybe use uh, clip arts that they purchase and some fonts and create some little printable things, but you're on the other side of really doing something that's handmade but then digitizing it. But like you said, then that allows you to then go back and use that you, you know, it's a handmade piece that you initially created, but you can use it over and over again and you can change the color and you can change whatever. And I bet there are a lot of artists out there that don't realize they could take their hand, you know, hand drawn or hand painted or whatever and turn it into passive income too. And that's actually a path that I would like to go down in the future. It's on my to-do list, my very lengthy to-do list, but it, it's one of those things that I really think that there's, that the internet has really opened up great opportunities for artists because I mean, I was, I was working on some wedding invitations the other day for a bride that she really wanted watercolor flowers. And I love, love painting, but that's not something I have the time for. And I was able to go and purchase in this instance, commercial rights to use some watercolor flowers that were all like clipped art pieces, like that were individually done. And that whole concept of being able to sell a pack of, you know, elements, it's not necessarily a whole design, but they're elements of things that I will use to create something is to me, like I would, to me, it's just, fascinating and awesome. And I'm hoping to turn some of my drawings that I've done and create, you know, clip art things that people can just, you know, download because it's such a maintenance free thing to have digital items that you're selling because on Etsy, there's a download function as soon as you buy it. So after initially creating the post or the listing, I don't have to worry about shipping. I don't have to worry about packaging and getting stuff printed and things like that and all that hassle. And so being able to just do things digitally and load them up on Etsy and be done with it, like that, that is where I would like to be eventually and not even having to do physical printing because it's just so much less stress. And as a mother of three boys, I need less stress sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think you make a great point, Katie. Obviously, the more digital and passive that it can be, the, the better as, as a busy mom. But you're right that you're, you can just sell bits and pieces of your artwork as well. And that's a, another method of selling your items. I love that idea. You should definitely keep that high on your to-do list because I know you're talented. You mentioned selling the prints, though. And I think that's another thing that does set you apart right now is the fact that you do sell both digital download prints on Etsy and 
physical prints that you'll print out and mail to people. So what made you decide to sell in both formats on your Etsy shop? I initially had just been selling printed items and, you know, I liked being able to make sure the product turned out the way I designed it, make sure that it was printed right. Cause printers are not all alike and color output can be different from, you know, your home computer versus or home printer versus, you know, having it done at a lo local print shop. And so it was just nice to be able to control that output. And I got to see it, you know, package it up, make it look pretty and, you know, send it on its way. And, you know, I was comfortable with that. And I only started doing the digital um, listings when I had a couple of people that needed something quickly because they had either procrastinated or they just, they needed a print, you know, in like three or four days. And I knew that the post office was not going to get that or at least guarantee that. So I'd be like, well, I could sell you my digital file and realizing how many requests I, I would be getting for these digital listings, I started to just be like, well, maybe I should just list them on, you know, the shop and if they sell great. And if they don't, well, then I'll just not renew. And I, I mean, it's not a huge portion of my business at this point because I just haven't spent the time to create the digital listings. Etsy has, since I started listing them, has made the process of selling digital items so much easier and so much more smooth for customers and for buyers or sellers alike. So I think I just I haven't spent as much time creating that. That's actually one of my biggest priorities is to convert all of my printed listings into, well, duplicate them and make them digital listings as well. But I've had, I mean, I, I love when I sell the digital ones. I love when I get that little, you know, ring on my phone and I look and it's like digital and I'm like, yay, I'm like, I'm done with that sale. Um, <laughs> it's great. I guess straightforward answer. Yeah. They just because people started asking for it and I started realizing there was a demand for it. And then after realizing there was a demand, realizing that, you know, Hey, this is actually easier on me. So let's do more of these. <laughs> So currently, Katie, the physical prints are what are are what you're selling more of. Yes. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about how you found a local printer to work with and maybe some tips for another business mom who's wanting to go that route? Because I feel like these days it's almost easier for uh, someone who loves designing to start out with digital items and then figure out later, hey, this is really fun. I'd love to have them in a physical form too. Yeah. I When I started out looking for a printer, I talked to a couple of girls that were designers that I knew and who I knew had printed wedding invitations and other prints because I figured if they had done you know, wedding invitations, they were probably used to doing smaller jobs, like what I would be using a printer for. The printer I use is actually attached to a university that has a graphic design program, which means that they have a, I don't know, the printers are geared towards graphic design. So I know that they have a high quality printer, or I knew that at least going in, and they are willing to do small print jobs because I ran into when I was looking for a printer, the problem I ran into with a lot of the printers would be that 
the cost per print was almost too much for how much I would be selling the items for. And I just, I didn't feel like it would be worth my time just because they would, that the cost for them to print it because it was such a small job. I mean, they would just pass that cost on to me and it, it just, it didn't make sense, you know, for either of us to, to do that. So I found that the, the school that I was using, I was happy with the quality and I was happy with their turnaround time. And because I've been printing with them for so long now, I don't know that this is necessarily true, but I get the impression that they push some of my projects ahead of others sometimes because I've been providing them so much business over the past four or five years. So, and they just, I don't know, develops relationships with everybody at that print shop. So I, I do think that you need to have a good relationship with them too, because for me, especially early on when I wasn't as familiar with printing technique. Now, granted, before I started my Etsy shop, the company I worked for actually sold large format printers. So I was very familiar with terminology by the time I left that job with printing terminology. So that, that was actually a huge blessing. And I didn't realize that until I started printing things myself, you know, with a local printer. But I would think that, you know, talking to local designers that, you know, have, you know, been printing smaller print jobs or things that are similar to what you're doing would be an excellent place to start. And then I would even say, you know, do a test print with them and see like what quality, you know, they produce and ask questions about, you know, turnaround and what happens, you know, if the print quality doesn't turn out the way you expect and, you know, try to like kind of feel out if you're going to work well with the people too, because I think that makes a huge difference because I've been able to communicate with my printer over so many things. And in fact, just recently, for some reason, that printer started to print my reds orange and we still have not figured it out. It's not just me. But they told me, you know what, in the meantime, we're going to refer you to another printer until we can get this figured out. And that honesty and the kindness that they showed, you know, to try to work out their problem on their end and not, you know, make me suffer on my end as a result or my business suffer. I really appreciated that. And I think that, you know, that relationship played a part in that because they, I mean, I wasn't just any other customer. I was, you know, a customer that they'd had for so many years, but. So I don't know, I would start, you know, just talking to graphic designers and get some test prints done. And that's, I think, a good place to start. I, I definitely agree with you, Katie, that having a relationship with a, a printer is important. We're, we're new to the whole developing a relationship with the local printer thing with our planner, but it has helped to be able to talk with them and they know me and I know them. And it has definitely helped to have that relationship with a local printer to get what we want and for everyone to kind of be happy. But I, I was curious, do you send them like, you don't send them like one file at a time, like, oh, I've got one order here, print this one page. Do you have them print like a stack of this print that you then keep at home and wait till your inventory to die down? Or how, how do you normally work that? For some of my more popular prints, I do keep a few. Like I have a train series right now that I probably sell two or three a week of that series. And previously, I had had an aviation series, the one that I 
was like pretty much what started everything for me with the whole prints. It's what I originally designed for my son's room. I used to sell, I mean, it's probably still my highest grossing listing to date, but I used to sell a ton of those and I would sell sometimes three or four of those in a week. So I would usually print a mass batch of those or I, I mean, right now I have some of the train ones at home just because I know I'm going to probably sell those within the next week or two and I'll have them, you know, on hand and I don't have to, you know, order just one from, from the printer. But usually what I do is two to three times a week, I will put a bunch of the orders that I've gotten because I do print on demand. I will put those into a PDF and I will send them one or two PDFs depending on the size and have them print off of those PDFs. So sometimes, I mean, if it's a slower time of the year, it may not be a whole lot, especially if for some reason I do have some of those prints in inventory. I mean, I think I've printed as small amount as one print, but I've printed also as many as probably, I don't know, probably close to 50 or more at a time. So it just depends, but I use InDesign and plop all of my, my images into InDesign and then PDF it and send them that file because then they can just print it from there. I think that's really great, Katie, that, you know, because you have this relationship and because sometimes you are ordering 50 at a time that it's okay for you to also just need one at a time and to not have to feel like you're ordering this huge quantity that maybe isn't the best move for your business, but you're able to, you know, make the right inventory choices for you. I'm curious when you, like, let's say you send a file and it's all the orders you have for that week. So would you make it essentially let them push the easy button so much so that like if you need 20 of a certain print, you put 20 pages of it in there so they literally just hit print and they're done? Yes. Okay. I tried once sending over a couple of files and saying print two and print one and I'd done that once or twice before and it worked out fine. But then once I think one of their printing texts that, you know, was in the shop, they ended up printing something like twice or like all of the files twice or something like that. And I was like, ah, that's not quite what I needed. And I'm just like, you know what, I'll just make it easy on them. And I'll just put it all in one file. So all they have to do is, you know, press print. And I think they like that just because then they don't have to worry about double checking things as often. So that's true. And because you've already seen like, Initially, like the first time you had them print a, a new design of yours, I assume you have already like seen the proof of what they do. So like once you've worked out the kinks with with a new design the first time, now now you know what you're going to get each time from them. So that allows you to do the the easy button method, as we're calling it here. And most of like. In my shop, most of my items that are like the bigger sellers are what I call my vintage series, and they all have the same overlay. And I have like I think it's ten colors, though I do a lot of custom ones. So it's the custom ones I always have to prove first. But like all the other ones, they're all going to be very similar. It'll just be the white part of it, the white shape, you know, the train or the airplane that's going to be different. So the color is always going to print typically the same unless they change printers and then we have to sometimes do some tweaking, but that's only happened twice. So. <laughs> K 
Katie, you designed, obviously you know this, <laughs> this is more for the listeners than for you, you designed for everyone out there, Katie Campbell designed our book cover for Time Management Mama, and it's amazing, it's so pretty. So we noticed that that's now a custom listing in your shop, you're doing you no know, custom book covers for people, so how is that kind of side business factored into your overall business model? No, I've done a few since, and I've really enjoyed those projects. Actually, I think they're, I don't have a name off the top of my head because I have mommy brain, but I did do one, I believe, for somebody that is in the Brilliant Business Moms group on Facebook. So that was exciting. But I've I've had some very interesting requests lately that I've had to turn down. (laughs) Can you tell us any? Yeah, I know. I'm so curious. (laughs) What constitutes an interesting book cover project? Me and my my timid I don't know self I guess there have been a couple that were just more adult themed and <laughs> fortunately they were they were they were photographed related like photograph related and they wanted things with models and stuff like that that I I had a great out to say that you know that just I can't I actually literally just that is not in my skill set to edit photos and make them look professional. So I've, I've been able to, to get out of that, but it's just, it's definitely interesting. I mean, there've been some, some really like cool books that I unfortunately wasn't able to do one cause he just wanted it within a week. And my schedule was just too jam packed for that. But there are some, there've been some great books that I've been just interested, like just the, the, the content of them have been interesting. And some of them just haven't worked out because of timelines. Cause I've been trying to limit myself to special projects to only having so many during a certain amount of time because this stage of life, I mean, my youngest is almost a year old, but he's still teething and it just makes it, you know, when he's waking up two or three times before I even go to bed, it can interrupt my workflow a lot. And I just don't think I can commit to doing as much of the special projects as I might if you were a little bit older. So I've had to turn some down, but the, the adult content ones were a little bit, those were a little interesting. And I was just kind of, I, I chuckled a little bit when they came across. I'm like, well, it's probably not going to work out. But it's definitely, it's something that I, I haven't had that listing up for too long. So I'm kind of curious, you know, I haven't really promoted it, done anything really with it at this point. And I, I do anticipate doing that because I really did. I mean, I really did enjoy doing the your all's book cover. I mean, that was a lot of fun and it kind of opened me up to realizing how many more opportunities there were for it for that. I didn't even realize, you know, what a high demand there was for book covers. And I'm like, well, this is a great, you know, opportunity. And I mean, I have some listings for wedding invitations too, but I don't list or promote those as much just more because it kind of controls the quantity of requests that I get. And so I have more freedom to turn down things or accept things that I really think I will enjoy working on because it does make a difference on those things if I really enjoy the whole like what the project outcome is going to be if I enjoy that idea then it's a lot easier to get invested in it and produce something that I think is you know beautiful or appealing to the eye so but it's definitely I'm hoping to expand that a little bit in the future I have a a really long to-do list I need to get working on. I'm actually, I have my shop right now, at least as of this interview, I have it on like a creative sabbatical is what I'm calling it. So I have it on a very 
few listings right now just so that I can focus on a couple of business development things that I just haven't had time to focus on. So I'm hoping that doesn't hurt my my rankings too much on Etsy, but time will tell. I'll help you out, Katie. <laughs> but I think you're smart. You did not put it on vacation mode. Yeah. You you pared down your listings. And I noticed when I was preparing for the interview, you didn't have many print options available at the moment. It was mostly digital options available. So you're being smart. You're not you're not going on vacation. You're just paring it down to a level that's more that's a little bit easier for you right now when you're trying to do other things. So I think that's smart. Well, and it's very smart. It's worked so far. I mean, I still have had several conversations, you know, initiated from people like, Oh, I noticed that this listing that I favorited isn't available right now. Are you still selling them? And I'm like, sure. I'm just trying to control how much I'm selling right now. So I don't have to run to the printer and do all of that other stuff with packaging and managing, you know, the, the processing of all those orders at this time because January is which is it's kind of a bad month for me to do it, but it just it had to happen. January is usually my busiest month because everybody gets Etsy ah. gift cards because December is usually one of my worst because every people aren't decorating their nurseries during December. I need to come up with a plan to help with the whole December sales. But it's usually really, really good in January because people get gift cards. At least that's my theory. They're getting gift cards for Christmas, and then they're spending it on, you know, things that they've wanted to purchase for a bedroom or something like that. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it, it makes sense. You just assume everybody does their best business in December on Etsy, but depending on your niche, that that can be completely different. So that's good to know. And I wanted to circle back really quick on the book covers. I'm I'm glad that you're enjoying that type of work and for listeners out there who are you know talented graphic artists I think the book cover industry is only going to just expand with the ability to easily produce your own self-published books now I can't see that that the demand for book covers is going to diminish anytime soon at all. So it would be an exciting place to be in, in the midst of that, that marketplace. So, and I would say it's probably, I mean, I wouldn't say like brand new, but it's a relatively new genre of like design because previously, if you wanted to design a book cover for somebody, you would probably have to have some kind of a relationship with a printer or like that published or publishers, actually what I should say, a publisher that dealt with, you know, the creation of book covers for books that they were printing or have some kind of relationship with authors and have like a very, very specific, I don't know, I don't even know how you would have advertised that before. But now with all the digital books that are being sold and I mean, pretty much every blogger I know and follow because I'm I, love my blogs. I, I don't follow them as much anymore because some of them don't blog anymore. But like that whole, like they all have like a digital ebook. And I think that's like you said, it's just going to continue to expand. And just even with the requests that I've gotten for books, you know, like, oh, I have a short ebook that I've written. You know, I, I agree. I think it's just going to get bigger and bigger. So I think that getting in early would probably be a benefit for those that are interested in that. So and for our listeners too, Katie also she had to rework our 
our book cover designed for Audible because Audible has certain requirements that they want a square and they want it this size and they want to make sure you've got the title and the author's names on there. And so Katie was really instrumental also because it's not just a book cover sometimes that you need. Sometimes you need that same design in a different format or a different size. And so it was great to be able to work directly with somebody to get exactly what you need for various projects almost for the same book. So it's a benefit to the author to have somebody they can have back and forth with to get to get what they need for the book cover and for other uses for that book cover as well. Very helpful. Definitely. And I have to say, which maybe I'm wrong on this, but it seems like the main competition for, let's say, someone like Katie who's designing book covers is like a place like 99designs because all the podcasters talk about it. And But when we went to 99designs and I saw the examples there, I was just like, oh, no. Oh, no. Like there are so many more talented moms just like you, Katie, who do such a better job on custom graphic design work. And and I do think more and more people are realizing that they can go to Etsy to get that kind of thing done for them. I know Chris recently started a little business and he turned to Etsy for to find someone to do his logo design. So Anyways, just a thought for everyone out there. Don't don't give up on Etsy and you can use it for, you know, to help business owners solve problems as well. Yeah, and I agree I agree with Anne too. It's so nice to go to another mom business owner to get the services rather than paying a big company. And you get better quality and hopefully everybody everybody wins with that situation. So I agree. Just tagging along like what you just said about, you know, going to other sources besides individual designers, you know, where they kind of, I don't even know, like, what was that website you said? The oh, 99 Designs. Yes, 99 Designs. There are, I know there are a lot of websites out there, and I know my aunts have been talking to me about doing some logo design for her, and she had talked about going to one of those websites, but she was hesitant because... In her industry, there's a lot of competition, especially like online. There are a lot of websites for her industry. And so she was really worried about, you know, paying for a logo and then it ending up being not that she wouldn't have legal recourse, but ending up having something that wasn't as knowledgeable about her field or willing to take the time to do research and make sure that the logo didn't end up infringing on somebody else else's logo. And so it kind of made me think about just the fact that maybe they're, and I don't know for a fact, but that they're, you know, somebody that's not as personally invested in the outcome of a logo or a design may not be as worried about checking, you know, that their sources are, you know, clean and that, that the outcome isn't, you know, even if it's technically legal, that it's not borderline infringing on somebody else's work. So it was one thing that I thought of when I talked to her about her logo because she is in a very, she's creating a website for a business that's in a very competitive field. And I had a whole list of things that she had told me that I couldn't use. And then I went through and did a whole bunch of research and realized other things that could have come off as being too similar to somebody else's brand. So 
it's definitely kind of one of those things that I encourage people to go find somebody that's, you know, not just, you know, me, but find somebody that you work well with and that you can trust to develop something for you that you're not going to have to revise later on that you're going to love and that isn't going to be, you know, possible because there are a lot, I think, especially in like the last 15 years, there've been a lot of changes because the internet has completely changed the whole intellectual property just because it's so easy to be inspired by something and then it be really close to somebody else's and stuff like that. But anyways, I'm rabbit trailing. So I'm going to stop. I think that's such a great point, Katie. And I feel like working with a graphic designer is just like, you know, not that they're going to be an employee. I mean, they're a contractor, but it's the same as working with an employee in the sense that you want to work with someone who has high ethical standards. You want to work with someone that you relate well to. And, you know, if you are just going to some random website and some random stranger from who knows where is throwing something out to you, then yeah, you don't have that confidence that they're doing everything ethically, that they didn't hawk somebody else's work. And and again, it's it's been great to work with you because then we can just come right back to you and say, hey, Katie, we're like Sarah, who's doing a book now, <laughs> can, you know, come to you and have another cover design. So I think originality too probably f- plays a factor in that as well. Katie's going to be much more original, I would imagine, than somebody that works at 99designs because 99designs people probably have to churn out how many book covers or logo designs every day. And so they probably are, it's probably easier for them to kind of, you know, variation on a theme in their designs. And so things could start to look, you know, just all the same. Whereas you, if you go to somebody like Katie, it's original and creative. She's not, she's not a machine turning out these barely different designs, 10 in a day type thing. So I think that's a huge bonus with going more smaller, more local, I guess. And I sh- I'm sure that there are some gems of, you know, designers on those websites. I just think that they're probably not as common as I think you'll just get a better, more original, more, I don't know. I don't want to say handmade, but it's just, I don't know. The heart of it will be a little bit different than you'll get most of the time from a website like that. But that's just my thoughts. <laughs> agreed. Definitely Agreed. Well, Katie, it's been so much fun learning from you and getting some great advice on working with a printer, on balancing digital versus print, and of course, you know, telling everyone how awesome you are at book cover designs. (laughs) As we wrap up, do you have either a funny or adorable mom moment you can share with us? I I was thinking about this, and I'm so bad about, like, I don't know, it's like the pressure of, like... (laughs) <laughs> thinking about something, I, what I wrote down, I was just writing some quick notes down, at least in relation to like my art. I think like the, the sweet moment for me is like when my kids know that I've done something because I also hand paint signs for shows locally when I have the time. And I do a few of them. I have a few of them in our house. And my favorite thing is like when one of my kids will point up at the sign and be like, mama did it. And to me, that's just like that they they recognize something that I do. I don't know why. I just think it's really sweet. But yeah, that's so sweet. I love that. Yeah, they're like proud of you and excited to 
say that they saw your work. That's really well, sweet. I did. I did two little signs for above their beds because their their room is still aviation themed. And I did two signs. And my dad was a pilot, Air Force pilot, and then uh, just a commercial pilot after that. And so we have some military planes and stuff in there. And they'll point at those and say, Mama did it. And then I made these little signs that say captain and first officer. And they're right above their beds. So they point to those a lot right before they go to bed. My my second one specifically, because he said he's still working. He's only two, so he's working on his sentence construction. But his, he'll say, Mommy did it, and I just love it. Yeah, you got to take that. When kids are actually proud of their parents for doing something or notice something that parents do, you got to latch on to that yes. and enjoy it while you can. <laughs> I, I get in trouble a lot. for we, we told our kids not to say, oh, my gosh. And I get reprimanded if I say it from my five-year-old. He'd be like, Mama, don't say it. So I get in trouble for <laughs> that kind of stuff a lot. So It sounds like my kid's reprimanding my husband when he says potty words too much. <laughs> They're just like, they, they learn and they latch on to those things. And yet the other things that we teach them, they're a little bit fuzzy. But <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, Katie, could you let everybody know one more time where they can find your shop? My shop is on Etsy. You can find it searching for Little Red Flag, all one word. And hopefully sometime this spring, next couple of months, I'm going to be launching a website that will also have a blog attached to it. So you'll be able to find me there as well. Awesome. We'll look forward to checking it out when it goes live. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed talking with you all and just definitely very honored to be to be on here. So thank you. We enjoyed it so much. It was great. For the show notes, head to brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash BBM130. If you want to check out the book cover that Katie did for us for Time Management Mama, you can look at it in several locations. We have our book for sale both as a PDF and as a paperback book for sale in our shop, which you can find at brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash shop. You can also find our book on Amazon. Just search for Time Management Mama. And then if you want to see what I was talking about in the episode where Katie changed the book cover to meet the Audible specifications, you can find Time Management Mama on Audible as well. And speaking of Audible, if you've never tried Audible before, I really cannot recommend it enough. I use Audible almost daily to read more books than I could ever read if I had to sit down and and turn a page. So if you think you might want to try Audible and see what it's like, see if you enjoy listening to audiobooks, you can get a free trial if you go to brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash audible. And if you were really daring, you could listen to Beth Ann and I narrate our own book, Time Management Mama. Now it's your turn to head out there and be brilliant.